Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode two of the Thirst for Knowledge podcast. It's me, Lawrence, and I'm here with my co-host, Steve Hendrickson. How are you doing, Steve? Good. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm just relaxing. Got some tequila Sprite, so going to be a chill cast, I guess. I had um, a couple of glasses of wine with dinner, so I'm there with you. Um, so how did your weekend go? Do you play any magic? or? Uh, I played at my local... Uh, store they have legacy on Sundays. We had sixteen, and I played. I, I had a good time. I went three one. Had a good time. Nice, nice. I played um, a good bit online. I played the Moto PTQ. That didn't go so well for me. Had a bit of variance. Um, I also played in the Legacy Challenge and did okay. Um, I did lose a match in the challenge because Moto lagged and I ended up like clicking my own goif on days. So I ended up like losing a game I wouldn't have otherwise lost and the rest of the match probably would have gone better. But yeah, I don't know. I, I played four color Delver. I still think the deck is really good. Uh, in the PTQ, I played um, the main deck that Dylan Hovey suggested where that has a main deck spell snare. Um, and I wasn't that big on that. The other idea I had that I ended up playing a bunch over the rest of the weekend was, um, a 19 landless with double preordain, because one of the issues I've had with the four-color Delver deck is that it just floods a lot and just has some awkward draws, and, uh, I wanted to mitigate that and work on the blue count a little bit and, like, work on Delver's flip rate, and I really liked the 19 landless. I immediately 5-0'd with it. Um, three to the next league and actually played against some weird stuff. I played against like a mono black deck that at one point went, uh, what's the black card? It's, um, Spoils of the Vault for Lich. And then I also, really? yeah, I didn't like, I didn't really know what was going on. They'd like replay some stuff and then they would like cast some discard spells and they cast like a sign in blood. And it's just like, I don't know what's going on. And they would just die before doing anything relevant. And I played against, like, a bug that Shadow build that had Tarnished Citadel in it, which is, for those who don't know, it's, like, City of Brass, but it deals you three damage. And they just kind of died to Flip Delver. <laughs> um, that is some hot tech. Yeah. I, li I like... Well... That is suicide to its final. Well, their mana base was, like, Tarnished Citadels, like, four of, and then a bunch of Shocklands. So they just, like, really couldn't, like, at all like mitigate life loss so i literally just flipped over and we just attack and they died it was pretty uh yeah that's budget that's some, that's a budget option i mean i can i don't think i'd go with it because i don't think the, well the blue black shadow needs they were playing berserk you have to remember this is moto it's like the i don't think what they were playing was any cheaper than just stock blue black shadow so it was just like somebody decided that they wanted to try this idea which is interesting tarnished the is interesting but i don't think you're supposed to go as deep in on it as it did because it ultimately just led to them dying pretty hard and pretty easy. Well, I also think that, I mean, shock, the shocks probably at this point are cheaper than Tarnished Nidale, so it's kind of a, it's a little funny. Yeah, I have no idea how much that card is on Moto. Um, I do enjoy the idea of uh, two preordains to smooth out your uh, four-color Delver to get your blue cat 
blue count up, Dover's flip more, and the ability to uh, consistently find the next threat. Because I feel like when I play four-color Dover, that's my issue, is your threat density versus spells, and the preordains probably help smooth that out. Yeah, for sure. I'm trying to pull up the deck list that I ended up settling on um, at the end of the weekend. There's probably going to be more changes to it, but uh, the main deck is pretty much just the stock like rug mana for the most part with just a couple black horses and then um obviously the two preordains and then i didn't play i only played two volcanic islands uh there's some people who were playing a fiery islet over the third vulcan and i felt that was pretty bad because it doesn't it's not it doesn't help your consistency when you really need it which is the early turns and this deck is so dense on two drops um that you um like really want things to do on turn one and if for whatever reason you have to daze on turn one that kind of is a double time walk on yourself and i i just wanted something to do with my mana just something to mitigate it something to help pull everything together uh the extra purity and help solve some of the mana issues it helped finding threats it helped finding the backbreaking effects um so, like, my main deck is just the 19 lands, Badlands, 3 Trop, 1 Underground, 2 Volcanic Islands, 4 Wasteland, 4 Delta, 4 Scalding Tarn. And then I have the 10 Cantrips, 4 Delvers, 2 Spellpiers, 4 Lightning Bolt, 4 Days, 4 Void, 2 Abrupt Decay, 3 Run Insect, 2, two Split of Gurmags, and True Names, and the 4 Forces. And then my sideboard is uh, 1 Red Blast, 1 Pyro Blast, 1 Blue Elemental Blast, 1 Submerge, 2 Plague Engineer, 1 Liliana's Triumph, 3 Thoughtseize, 2 Surgical Extraction, um, and then 1 Sylvan Library and 1 Winter Orb. And um, I'm sure we'll go a little more in depth about this, but I'm still trying to tune my sideboard. Uh, it feels like Depths is becoming a bit more popular, and I think that the Depths decks have gotten a huge upgrade. I perfectly agree. I think the Elvish Reclaimer being a uh, beatdown slash crop rotation, just, I mean, it's it's a really good card for that deck, and it helps it helps a lot, fix a lot of the easy problems that I played against it uh, this weekend, and that was my one loss when I was playing um, Four Color Control. I had... I had the Plague Engineer for Vampire or Shaman. I can't remember what I said it to, but the um, Reclaimer came down. It was just, it was super annoying because he, he ended up killing my um, Plague Engineer, but then I he just started attacking me. And it was just, I was sitting here trying to work a way to deal with the fact that Dark Depths could happen at any point in time when I'm getting beat down by mediocre creatures but i mean they were working really well so yeah it's you know at face value it's a crop rotation and then as um as you go on like it becomes a tarmogoyf uh, the crop rotation ability is kind of nuts because it helps like like it obviously helps get your combo together but i mentioned submerge i was playing one it helps cut off submerge because you can just sack all of your forest before going for a 2020 the body in play automatically protects you against Edict, and then you have um, Sajiri step in your deck, so you can just leave a Plague Engineer, or not Plague Engineer, the Elvish Reclaimer, and always have Sajiri step on hand. So it puts people in the spot where they have to like have two answers 
for your dark depths. And one card I'm considering again is like maybe some number of Bitter Blossom. Uh, I'm not really sure I could. I want to cut Sylvan Library and Winter Orb. They've been pretty good for me, but maybe some something to look into. I have seen a lot of Bitter Blossoms on people when they're streaming the, the Four Color Doper deck, and I think it is to fight it. But the problem is, it's like it clogs up your board, and it um it you can't bring it in in like other matchups. Like I think. Arkin was playing his either Arkin or EW Landon were playing uh, a four color pile, and Engineer just made it so until they could deal with the Engineer, they were losing a life every turn, and it was really just it was kind of an obnoxious effect. So I, I mean, I can see Bitter Blossom as a hedge for the one matchup, but I don't know if it hedges anything else. So. Yeah, that was kind of my thought process. I was like, this is okay in the depths matchup because it gives me just one more angle of attack and potential blockers but it's not that good in the delvermeers and it's not that good against all the fair decks because of renin six and like i it's good against basically tough like miracles stone blade and like kind of good against the death shells and i'm already beating miracles and stone blade regularly enough to not necessarily need that card for those matchups, and I think Winter Orb and Sylvan Library are honestly better as a whole against the format. Uh, so I'm not sure. I, I I may play like a Pithing Needle or something, or just like accept that I'm not going to be depths consistently, and I may just like go on the double submerge plan. Um, what about Echoing Truth? Uh, Echoing Truth is reasonable, I guess. It's just it's the same thing. It's like good in that matchup, but bad elsewhere, right? I think Echoing Truth could be arguably you could play it in other matchups at least. Like you can hit a Gurmog Angler with it. Right? And Gurmog Anglers. I'm not boarding it in in a Gurmag matchup though. Well, I, I mean, I'm saying it's an option, right? You could bring it in that. You could bring it against Eldrazi. You could bring it in against like several. I'd basically be boarding it in versus Dark Depths and Chalice Shells and like. I don't really want to reset Chalice. Like, it's a fine option, but it's one of those things where I'd rather just not run suboptimal cards, and I'd rather just lose a matchup that I think, like, went from being unfavorable to, now I think, like, before the Depths matchup was unfavorable but winnable. Uh, like, you could win it very consistently. Um, but now it just feels like you're just a huge dog. You have to have the aggressive start. Uh, without fail, and um, I I don't know I it'll take some work and tweaking, but I will either keep playing the current split I have and just try and spike the matchup when I can, or just outright go yeah, just not gonna win this matchup. So yeah, I do believe that there is a world where you just concede the matchup and call it you know especially since they're becoming this kind of hodgepodge of creatures and the combo. Yeah, Depths has gone from being like a dedicated, like hyper-consistent combo deck to being kind of mid-rangey. Basically just being a mid-range deck that has a combo finish that you have to respect on every turn of the game, which is like really scary, right? Oh yeah, I mean, it's the Maverick decks tried to, to perform this, but they were using Knight of the Reliquary, and I think Knight of the Reliquary was, you know inefficient and also it's just not good in current meta games because of fatal push and all the easy answers where Elvis Reclaimer just comes down so quickly, pressures 
these early walkers that everybody's packing and threatens to kill you either by just turning sideways or getting dark perks or whatever piece they're missing. So it's basically a Knight of the Reliquary that is one mana for this deck. Yeah, the the thing about Knight of the Reliquary is um like Tagoras did well with his green white depths list. That's like a Maverick style deck. And I actually like Knight of the Reliquary in those style of decks because like having these big arbitrary things that don't die to bolt force people to use their submerges and edicts and plows way more aggressively. And then your 2020 just kills them. And that's why I think like these decks got a huge upgrade, right? Like um I I definitely had Edict in my hand in the two games and could not use it in an efficient yeah. So it's just not good. Yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a different world that we're in. Like for years or like the last year actually, I felt like diabolic edict effects aren't actually good. People were just playing them because like they were the best answer for depths and the answer true name. But now we have a better answer for true name and they don't answer depth. So part of me wonders if you're supposed to even play them. Like I don't want to play Vapor Snag. Maybe the double submerge thing is fine, but I just don't feel like any answer that the Delver decks have uh, is consistent enough or like mana efficient enough. Like the point and click removal we discussed gets shut off. Like now the depth decks don't have to, like before they would have to crop rock for combo and now they have Reclaimer. So if they Reclaimer for their combo, for their dark depths, make their 2020 or whatever, they can still do that with crop rock up for. Um, Sajiri step, and you know, it's it just puts you in a spot where the best answer for them is to just try and get them as dead as possible, as fast as possible. Um, so I'm not sure. Maybe I don't know. Blood Sun is probably too deep. Like it's not really consistent enough. You probably. You'd probably play Alpine Moon before that. Alpine Moon's a consideration. Like, that's... I think Blood Sun's at three mana is just not going to happen. Yeah, the issue with Alpine Moon is, like, if you name Depths, they just blow it up. But it is definitely interesting to consider Alpine Moon. Um, I didn't really thought about that. But is that better than Pithing Needle? No. I mean, that's... I mean, when it comes down to it, like... I don't actually think any of these answers matter against the hex depths because, like, even Pithing Needle doesn't do anything to hex depths. Right. Like, the Maverick depths deck, like, when I, I played against it twice, and what I found is that you can do the game plan of just trying to run through them and just put a bunch of pressure on them, and, like, you can destabilize them and then, like, try and keep their creatures off the board because, like, they're more of a Maverick deck than a. Um, 2020 deck, but then you have the the green black list, which is like, you know, it's still on the pseudo mid range, pseudo like combo plan, but you have to respect the combo much more because of the whole like uh, hex mage plan idea, like that can just come down and kill you, so you have to constantly be respecting that. Historically, spell snare has been better against those decks, but they have a lot of discard. There's just, like, a lot going on, and I think it may be time to just, like, try and run through them. For me, I was playing Blue-Red Delver, and that was just because I was not really trying to hide what I was doing. I'm 
going to try to kill you as fast as possible and just be faster because I didn't at the time I was when I was practicing it Ren and Six hadn't really hit the scene and Ren and Six made me want to go to Four Color Delver but I still argue that red, that blue red is probably better because it's just faster I I I'm not sure about that I think Goyf is really good um one thing is like me and Max Gilmore have been working on what we've been calling no bad cards rug delver. Um, I talked about it last time on the cast. It's just the rug delver deck that doesn't play goose or stifle when it's just like a blue red delver deck splashing red and six and Tarmogoyf. And in this past week, um, Max five owed with the deck. Uh, it was Jarvis. Jarvis five owed with it on stream Monday. I think the deck really has legs. It's really powerful. Um, I may do some more testing with it. Like, you kind of lose to a lot of the same things as the four-color deck. It, they they operate very similarly. Uh, I think it's just a matter of, like, do you want to be a more grindy mid-range deck, or do you want to have, like, Dreadheart or Canis to be more of a snowball-y, not necessarily tempo-esque deck, but just, like, more of a snowball-y, like, forward-leaning type of shell. Yeah, I mean, the, the blue-red deck I played had seven bolt effects, and the seven bolt effects really, and I think I had two prices on my sideboard. And I was, you know, I did have a plan of, I'm just going to burn you out. You know, it was a pseudo burn package that let me just get through them. Because sometimes if they're quick enough and they can block enough things, they get the opportunity to put the 2020 in and win the game. So I was really going for, I want to burn you and kill you. But I, I don't, I think it's just a different philosophy. Like the four color delver is gonna probably is gonna outgrind every time the blue red delver. So yeah, you have more universal answers. Like I've noticed an uptick of rest in peace, and both decks are weak against it. In my rug list, I have a copy of Return of Nature on the sideboard, and then in the four color list, I have two abrupt decays. And I did get rest in peace a couple times last weekend and was able to win through them um, because I had answered. Um, so I'm not sure how relevant that will be going forward. I'm not sure how many players are going to, you know, start picking up rip, but I have noticed more and more people are doing it, even if it's just like one copy, and they are definitely boarding it in against these shells because it does blank Ren and Six, it blanks Tarmogoyf, and that just leaves you in Gurmag or uh, Arcanist in the list that are playing those, and that just leaves you with True Name and Delver Secrets to win with, which makes you know them mitigating what you're doing pretty trivial from there yeah i split my list with young pyromancers and true names so i had three and three pcs and two true names so i actually ran through my whenever my opponents played rest in peace i kind of just shrugged and said okay and just cantripped around my arcanist but that was blue red i don't think the blue red list cares much about arcanist it's more the four color in the red list like when you're when you have Tarmogoyf and Gurmag and or Arcanist, you know you're in Ren and Six. You're taxing your graveyard very heavily and putting a lot of emphasis on it. So I agree that it's like I'm saying like I have I've had them bring it in because of Arcanist alone, and you know I played through it. Where you know I played my four color deck this weekend and I beat Leyline of the Void from one deck and Rest in Peace from another deck, but it was super annoying. My run in sixes were basically no text box, so. Yeah, I've been shaving run in six a bit more. Shave it against like tundra shells. Um, I've been discussing boarding planes. I was talking with Noah Walker, and 
I've been cutting Ren and Six against Miracles because I wanted to blink Blue Blast, and I felt like um, it doesn't always do anything. And I was talking to Noah. I've been keeping in two wastelands, and I've been talking. Was talking to Noah, and he was just like, "I think Ren and Six is just better, mostly because it's a threat that they have to respect um, or answer at some point, so it just ties up their mana." So I decided to try that, and I did well against. Uh, let's see. I I lost to Miracles once, but I beat Miracles the other time, and then I beat Stoneblade and, uh, or Blue White Stoneblade and Esper Blade, uh, which were other decks I was cutting Ren and Six against. Um, and I was going down to 15 lands, which may be a bit too greedy. I never got punished for it, notably, but, um, I don't know. It's definitely not necessarily comfortable, but it's something that I'm trying. Uh, I've cut Wasteland in the past, but I, I've never gone all the way down to just 15 land. Yeah, I never cut the run in sixes like you. We were, we had different ideas. Like, I always felt like against Miracles, it was still annoying. Like, they still had to deal with it. I basically kind of shared what Noah told you. Like, I felt like eventually, like, you get to, you know, start recasting Thought Seizes or whatever, and or K-Commands, the game's over. Like, if you can ultimate the run in six, so... I always kept it in, um, but I also have a different deck with that, with four-color control, so I have very little early interaction where you have a lot more early interaction. So, like, your mana your mana split on choices. Right. The other thing is, like, Renin 6, uh, for you, is more of an in-game plan because you have a lot more powerful effects that you can leverage with the ultimate. For me, it's kind of just, like, Here's a lightning bolt. So I'm kind of playing. So by, by keeping it in, I'm more just playing. Um, like, I'm playing to my opponent's fear, right? Like, here's this thing that I'm playing is basically just like get a land drop or two, and my opponent's like, oh god, if this ultimate's like I'm dead, and I don't really intend for it to ever ultimate. I just want to play it, get two land drops, and then they kill it or whatever. I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think. Uh... I could still see the value of having on the battlefield just because you are they're going to deal with all of your other things as well. Like, And it's always just kind of sitting there. But I could also see, you know, taking your route of I've got better cards to bring in. And I mean, it all depends on your sideboard plans. So Yeah, like I was keeping in two wastelands mostly to be able to cast my spells. Uh, cast the basically just like the Goyf's true name and Sylvan Library and Winter Orb, which isn't really a lot of spells. It's just like eight cards. So we're going to try the 15 land YOLO, you know, Ren and Six will fix my mana, take the wheel, uh, tree Jesus plan, and go from there, you know. Yeah, well, so you played, um, what What did you play during the MCQ again? Was that your... I played Hobie's main deck. It was it was a 20 land main deck. I didn't play, I played the third bulk instead of the Islet because I think that card's just way too greedy. And then it had... I agree. I agree. The Badland Fiery Islet Days deck seems yeah, it's it's a bit much. Uh, and then instead of the second preordained, he had a spell snare. And like the spell snare was good one time against Grixis Control, and then it just like didn't really line up as well. Like I like spell snare in the Delver decks that struggle to answer things after they resolve, and you want to play more of a tempo based game. But in this shell, I really want to try and just use my mana as much as possible and uh, do so proactively most of the time. So I'm not really interested in having 
a card that, you know, I have to like take lines where I hold it up. And if my opponent slips a card through it, uh, I'm just like, oh, well, I may not ever convert this again, and there's a real chance. Where, whereas, like, you know, something like Spell Pierce, there are very clear windows where you should hold it up and not hold it up or whatever. Or you can, like, build play patterns to force your opponent to play into it. Spell Snare's a bit more of a variable. And I think uh, instead of trying to play the more variable game, I just want a more coherent plan. So that's kind of what my my list with the two preordains was built around, just trying to have the forward progression and like not worry as much about what my opponent was playing because I just want to you know slap him upside the head with a charm wave. I actually think that that philosophy is kind of what legacy is right now. Oh, um, for sure. I think that spell pierces and spell snares. I like in theory right now, spell snares should be one of the best cards in Magic for legacy. Oh yeah, because, like if you look the powerful two drops. If you look at the results from the MCQ and the Legacy Challenge, it's just two drops galore, you know. And then, but I think if you don't actually use your mana proactively, and you're actually trying to, you know, parry that what they're doing, you're you're putting yourself behind for no reason, and you're probably going to lose the game. Right. Like I, I think right now, like. The way the meta is, the fair decks are playing Thought Season to Ren. These other decks are going Thought Season to Hogex slash Depths. These other decks are, you know, they're going Aether Vial, and then they start violating their stuff. Like even, even like the the mono red Stompy deck, which did really well, they had like seven, eight, nine, three drops that will, well, even more than that, like 12 three drops that will just end the game if you have spells. Like, Historically, Legacy has been about, like, it's, it's been like foil fencing, right? It's a lot of controlling distance, pairing, uh, counterattacking, you know, trying to gain an upper hand via small margins, right? But right now, every Legacy deck, like, Legacy is skewed towards green. There's a lot of good beat sticks. So the games are less about, you know, that subtle dance, more just about getting your beat stick down and slapping someone. Oh. There's a lot of games I played where I was just like, here's my turn to Goyf, figure it out. Machete. And my opponent machete, machete format. It's not a it's not a foil. It's a machete. We're we're beating fades. Like. Yeah. <laughs> this is you know, this is yep. uh this isn't this isn't, you know like we, we aren't having fun. This is this is the bronze. Right. Grab, up, grab your you base know? grab Taste every baseball bat vegan. <laughs> just <laughs> exactly warriors come out to yeah, play i mean i don't know like look the top 16 of the mcq i mean but you go down you've got the the guy who took it down mr blue white stoneblade uh my, i tip my hat to you you were you you got some good pairings <laughs> um he got so i i'm obviously not trying to discredit this person uh they did a great job um, one thing that's notable is he did split the finals with our friend Rich Shea. Uh, Rich, I believe he offered a split at the beginning, they started playing, and then, like, Rich was down a game and offered the split again, and the guy took it. Because this guy, um, he's on Twitter at Corin underscore Tamir, K-O-R-E-N underscore T-A-M-I-R. Um, he's from Israel and just really wanted to go to the Pro Tour, so 
Rich didn't necessarily care as much about going to the Pro Tour, so, you know, get money. Um, he posted a thread on Twitter and actually was just like, yeah, I was going to play Blue Red Delver, and I played a league, and was just like, oh, God, no. And just um, YOLO picked the Blue-White Stoneblade list and played it. Um, his matchups were Burn, Ad Nauseam, Storm, uh, Four-Color Delver, Death and Taxes, Humans, Mono Red Prison, Slivers, another Ad Nauseam opponent. And then he played against Humans, which was our boy Eddie Zamora. Shout out to him. Yo, so easy. Uh, the, the, I remember when Eddie messaged the Blue Shadow. It's just like, do you guys think Humans could be good in Legacy? And we're just like, I don't know, dude. And then now it is because of all of his work. So that's really sweet. And then in the semifinals, the guy played against Monterey Prison, and then in the finals, he played against Monterey Prison. So, you know, he plays Stoneblade, plays his best matchup three times, twice in the top eight, uh, and just kind of runs hot. His only loss in the whole tournament was uh, Eddie, actually, in the Swift. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked through this. I looked through this thread, actually, um, and I'm like, Burn? Well, if, if your Blade deck can't beat Burn, I don't know what you're doing. Um, Ad nauseum, that's tough. Uh, four color Delver, I don't actually think it's tough, based on the way that they're currently building their deck to fight all the other decks. Uh, Death and Taxes, you're a better blade deck. Um, Humans, I think True Name is still bonkers. So like, I know Eddie got him one game, but you I mean True Name is still Eddie? I, Eddie probably ran him over one game. Um... Like, the four-color Delver matchup, I'm undefeated against Stoneblade, I think. I may have lost drop one match. Maybe one. I can't quite remember. Um, what I found is that you're just way more efficient at pressuring them than they are at pressuring you. And a lot of the times, like, if True Name resolves, they have to go on the defense with it. Uh, and you can just run around them. Like, I don't even board an Ancient Grudge against Stoneblade. Because you have Thoughtseize, you have Lightning Bolts, you have Abrupt Decays. You have so many ways to just answer Stoneforge Mystic that instead of boarding and answers for their things, you just get to boarding your proactive effects and run through them. And that's been my experience. Um, I still, I mean, I think that, because this guy was playing Palace Jailer, I think. He's got some cards. I think he's got mm -hmm. play in the game. Yeah, he has Back to Basics, Palace Jailer, he has Vendillion Click, he has um, Double Supreme yeah. Verdict. Like, his, I'm not saying his list is bad. Um he also has Celestial Purge and Blue Blast. Yeah, I mean, I think he had a lot. I think he had a lot you know, of play. He has a lot of play in the matchup, obviously. Uh, I'm just saying my experience in the matchup is that it isn't as bad a, of a matchup for Four Color Delver. As I, I think traditionally I, Four Color Delver would even be favored, but I think currently Four Color Delver's makeup is tied up in effects that won't help its blade matchup as as much as it used to, because their cards are being. They're having to worry about depth. They're having to worry about the combo matchups because their main deck isn't very good against combo anymore. Or not as good. Um, there's just all these effects. They're trying to be, you know, broaden their horizons where and Blade isn't, you know, no one's thinking that Stoneforge Mystic is dominating legacy right now. You're leaning a lot on the discard spells to carry you through a stack of matchups, yeah. is what you're saying. And then I mean slivers, sliver the slivers list that I saw, I'm assuming, is who he played against. And that guy, he didn't have as many slivers. He had, like, he had standstills and uh, uh, Swords of Plowshares in his main deck. 
So, let's see. Oh, yeah, it's not a... Oh, it wasn't yeah, it's um, not Daniel. Daniel Nunez. No. Yeah. This guy was playing... Um, back in the day, Murpho yeah. was a standstill deck. And this looks like a Murpho yeah. player changed tribes and went to slivers that's what it, that's what it looks like to me yeah he just has like one lord i think yeah yeah this this is very much not conventional slivers uh as conventional as slivers is okay this isn't daniel nunez so yeah i feel you it's this looks way more disruptible and it doesn't have the aggressive curve that slivers is usually does sorry yes two yeah. words so eight yeah, total words it is built very it's built like a merfolk yeah, I, I've, I've so like for the listeners out there my child's deck is slivers and uh shout out to daniel nunez because i copy his deck and his updates all the time uh for my child so he can have game against me and it gives me reps against what i consider a super aggro deck because the slivers deck does nothing but smash you in the face so you know, it's a yeah. This the Slivers deck will definitely uh, kneecap you. You think you're safe, and then all of a sudden you're facing like ten power. It's like, oh, okay. I I think I like that a bit more than like what's going on here is cool. Like standstill is cool and all, but it's like, what is standstill good against? Combo, I guess. Like Slivers is already pretty decent against combo. You're already pretty decent against the control decks. You're already crushing the control decks. Actually. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's like play, my eight-year-old beat a nineteen-year-old kid playing Miracles Sunday because Slivers doesn't care about miracles. So yeah, exactly. Like you're already beating, you're already stealing control player lunch money. So I don't know. I I get what they were going for with this list. I'm not necessarily a fan. I feel like uh, the overall philosophy of what they have going on here is. Kind of a delver. They have four spikes. Yes, four, one wow. spell pierce, one four spike. <laughs> just one just get denial. This person came to game. I respect uh, that. Yeah, but like effects like hibernation sliver are basically standstill in the deck because hibernation sliver will draw you your three slivers that you're trying to kill back. So it's a better effect that also smacks them in the face. You know, there's a there's just a lot of I don't know. I, I don't want to go on a rant, but you know. I believe that the Stoneblade Pilots uh, matchup worked out really well. You know, him playing Mono Red, I've played Blade versus Mono Red Stompy a billion times, and it's, I would consider at this point, a buy. Just That's how a lot of people feel. Also, for everyone who uh, is like, damn, I got to pause the podcast and Google what Hibernation Sliver does, it says all slivers have pay to life return this permanent to its owner's hand. For all 15 of you who knew what that did, <laughs> you've been playing Legacy for way too long, my guy. You gotta gotta chill out on all that. My bad, my bad. <laughs> hey, look, I had to look up a sliver the other day. Uh, Daniel uh, posted a new list with plated sliver. This is one white mana. Uh, all slivers get plus zero, plus one, and it's a one one. So it's effectively a one two. If I've ever seen uh, anti-plague engineer tech. It is plated sliver. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, it's it's when you start getting deep into like mesmeric sliver, right? 
Yeah, not much weird sliver. It's a um, telekinetic, telekinetic sliver, sliver opposition yeah. sliver. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what's weird though? This was on Saturday, right? The 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 PTQ. Yeah. Yes. So on Sunday we had a challenge, and that mm-hmm. was an entirely different set of deck list that I, that we got. And I, I mean, I was completely baffled when I look at the two metagames. So. So before we jump into this, let's just quick. I'm going to quickly do a rundown of what um, the top eight of the Challenger Top 16 was. So the top eight: uh, Blue White Stone Blade, Mono Red Prison, uh, Mono Red Prison again, Black Red Reanimator, Mono Red Prison. Did I get that right? Yeah, there was just yeah, so there was there was prison. Uh, the boy Eddie. Ah uh, ah. Uh, uh. On um, humans, let's see what is this four color pile with main deck Tarmogoyf, uh, Ice Fang, Quaddle, uh, Magmatic Sinkhole, just you know. Four also, pile. Water Logged actually, Grove. <laughs> I can't remember if I played against and this basic person. Mountain. I played it. I played against somebody who I looked them up. And they played four color pile, but they had like a what's the card? It's Atraxa. Yeah, this was not not the proliferate Atraxa, but yes, there is an Atraxa list that plays five colors. It's a five color list. Yeah, I played. um, I played against someone who usually plays Atraxa. Like I just got bodied. Like they just had all the answers. It was Lucky underscore Dragon. and yeah, their deck was gross. Just, like I let a astrolabe resolve, and then they just got to plow on my voice, and it was pretty gross. But um, anyway, so there's a four color pile, and then there was uh, Big Brain, Mango Lassi, Daddy, Daniel Goshel, GP Niagara Champion, and eight with uh Big Dick Depths. So. You know, there's that. And then the top 16 was Black Red Reanimator, JP on Sneak and Show. I actually tried to sneak. I tried to leave with Sneak and Show last Friday. It's not for me. Um, I think the deck is fine. And then uh, GSY on a Stifle Delver deck. Anyone who knows who he is, he always plays Stifle Delver. He always does well with Stifle Delver. Nobody's ever surprised. I still wouldn't recommend Stifle Delver. What about... What about blue white draft blade from twelfth? <laughs> oh, I I watched Sam Rukas body Anthony Laverde with this deck. It turns out Fathom it turns, Seer. <laughs> turns out whether Wayfarer can tutor up wastelands <laughs> and keep your opponent off their second land drop forever. Oh, fa- I was like, I had to look up the cards. <laughs> and Fathom Seer. I was like, I forgot that that was a real card and. Uh, Knight of the White Orchid. Now, while I do know what that card is, what? <laughs> yeah, it's for when you daze, you can like play it and then get back on the play. You just don't see the line, Steve. You gotta, you gotta open your third eye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but this deck is sweet. It's just there's a lot going on, and. There's a lot of weird synergies, and when you see it play out, you're just like, oh, 
this is really disgusting. Like this four sideboard Leona relic yeah. order, bro. Yeah. You ever seen an LED under a Leona relic order? Um, it was it was an emotional oh, experience. Got, I, I assume for Fibblethip the Lost. Fibblethip Caracas. Well, I, I know. What you know about drawing well, cards? I know. I know. You don't know about oh, no, this. I know. You don't know anything. I, I've played that. that actually, but that's in a different format. That's far more casual. So. <laughs> Fibblethip Caracas. Let's go. Yeah. This is a list of cards you can play. One Sarah Avenger. One. Yeah. One. <laughs> you only need one. You only need one, Steve. Got to make room for those weathered wayfarers somehow. I, I do agree. 13th was just normal DNT. I mean, that it was great. Yeah. I. The more and more I see people play the Hawk list, the more and more like I think that deck is really disjointed. And doesn't really like it's just too much of a meta call for legacy as a format. Like we talked about it last week. Like I thought Sneak and Show would be good because partially because like one of your best matchups is either non-existent or playing a bunch of cards to beat like other decks that you're good against and he's cutting effects that are good against you. And yeah, here we are, just stock death and taxes. Like that's just the legacy story, right? Like people try to make overwhelming metagame calls and you ultimately get rewarded for just playing the deck you know the best. Like, the guy who won in his thread was just like, I know how to play Stoneblade because I like it, and that's what matters in Legacy. That's every Legacy tournament champion. It's, it's just like, I like this deck. So and I like the fact that the format still rewards people that, you know, play the decks that they know, do well, and, you know, get there. Um, well, I think what was 14th was Black Red Reanimator. 15th Arkin, then I master on Ho Dredge, yeah. Mana Ho Dredge. I love it. I so Arkin has played Dredge in the last three Moto PTQs. His records have been top eight, top eight, and top sixteen. This isn't something that's like ignorable, and I'm really close to just starting to play Dredge in these things because, like, people are showing up with only two surgical or some surgical. People have no idea how to play against Dredge, right? Like nobody, like most players in Legacy, unless you've been playing since 20, you know, 12, 2013, you probably don't have a coherent plan for Dredge. Your plan is just like cast some surgicals and hope it works out. And, uh, you know, it, it shows something, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, his Arkin list. spends the whole week playing not Dredge and then plays stock Dredge and yeah. top eights. Or top eight or top sixteen. Well, his whatever. list is actually uh, super sweet. I mean, we're 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 talking. He cut an Icarid to get his Hogak in. All his numbers are real solid. I don't know about only three breakthroughs. It's, it's stock dredge. I mean, breakthroughs like it's one of your like nuttier draw cards, but it's not. You know, it's like one of the cards that you don't expect to resolve. It's I, just fine. Like you're fine with the I love I love the list. I love it. I love the Hogak in there. Um I like the fact that it doesn't it's not sitting on any like cute little silly creatures to bring back. Um I think the dread returns, yeah, the dread returns on the sideboard even. Yeah, I love I love this list. I, I think this list is yeah solid and very fun. I'm completely about it. I may have to fire up some dredge leagues and prep for a challenge or something and just, you know, 
me- just mess up somebody's judge, day. But I'm I'm just, uh, acquiring a uh, manalist dredge with Hogak deck. I I don't know about manalist dredge. I'm, I'm ready to try it. I, I I think it's close. I feel like more people more people are starting to pick up Tormod's crit than the like. I think I think I just like straight up mana dredge. I think the equity you gain from manalist isn't enough at this point. You know, before it was like people don't know how to play it's manalist, whatever. Now people kind of know what manalist well, is. It's a pitch. They have an idea. Like, it has it has eight eight force of blue card and four force of vigors. And this so you're just playing vintage dredge. Don't judge. Legacy? <laughs> don't judge. <laughs> Seems you're gonna have to send me that list, my guy. Oh, uh, and to round out the top sixteen, it's another uh, stock DNT. No squad, no squad hawks. Kind of sad. Don't even want to talk about it. Mm. I like the hawks. We already talked about yeah, it. True. Sell your squadron <laughs> hawks. <laughs> but uh, the the legacy challenge was a completely different meta game. Like, would you agree? Yeah, I think the difference is, like, the people who are playing the Legacy MCQ, there's going to be random grinders, right? There's, like, I do recognize a lot of the names in the top 16 as just straight-up Legacy grinders, and that's honestly who mostly did well. Um, like, the top eight is people I recognize for the most part. Uh, but you're also going to have a, a number of just, like, random people who are trying to spike a PTQ to try and qualify and they're going to pick up their chalice decks and random other things. So I think they're, you're going to have the same people who are playing in the Legacy Challenge playing in the Moto PTQ, but you're also going to um, have just enough random people seeding the field with mat, like different matchups that you're going to have the different outcome, which, you know, that's what ended up happening, right? Oh, definitely. Well, I also, you know, because... Moto is so fast in development, I believe, that uh, people probably saw the metagame and shifted based on it. I, uh, I, I guess the results were posted online Saturday, surprisingly. Uh, usually Bob Hong is, like, angrily tweeting at Magic Online to post results from legacy premiere events on, like, Wednesday when they should have been up on Monday or whatever. I mean, but, um, so, I mean... What do you think about the winning deck since we've uh, already spoke about it at length? Black Green Depths may be the best deck in the format. Just straight up. Um, I think it has very good matchups against all the blue decks. It has a faster Goldfish plan than all the non-blue decks. Like, it may just be the best deck in the format. You know? Like, I really think Elvish Reclaimer is that good of an upgrade. I, I believe, well, I think it's like two twofold. I think Elvis Reclaimer giving it a crop rot that's actually not court disadvantage. Because even though people are like, well, you got to pitch a land. Well, I mean, it's you're still e- even, and you still have the Elvis Reclaimer. So it's actually not part. Did you discard a land? No, it's well, just sacrifice. Well, it's just crop no, rot. But you it's, get a it's two mana crop well, rot. No, because crop rot you lose a card because you lose crop rot. Right, right, right. You put you put Elvish Reclaimer into play, and then like they have to force a will, and then you don't lose a card. And if they bolt it, they know it's a one for one trade. Yeah, it's actually never like a disadvantage. It's that parity. Even when right, its effect right. goes off, it's parity. 
So like I actually think like that's that and the fact that it can beat down as a one drop at an an insane rate. I I you know I think it's I think it's the real deal. Plus, not only does it get this upgrade, but I think the other side of the coin is these run and six decks just can't deal with merit lage like efficiently. Like yeah. the, even the Delver decks, your your Delver deck has three more cards in it that don't that slows the Delver flip. For example, Tarek Patel, hey QT, top eight at this tournament, uh, and his sideboard had two Submerge, two uh, Liliana's Edict or whatever, Triumph or whatever the card was, yep. right? And you know what he lost to in the top eight? Probably Topher. Rodrigo Tagoras okay. on Depths. Just, like, he is maxed out on the number of answers to Dark Depths that you can have in your... He has four Ren and Six, first of all. He's only playing three Goyp. He has four Ren and Six. Uh, two Submerge, two Triumph, four Wastelands. And three Surgicals. So he has, like, he's maxed on the ability to, like, Yolo's Wasteland Surgical. And has answered. Unless he's about to go up to, like, four submerged, which I could see. I could see you're like submerged eight percent, whatever. And he lost to depths. And that's just telling of how good that is right now. Yeah, I I, mean, I think I mean Topher this said this is the first time he'd uh played it in the challenge and he won, right? So five out of league won the challenge. I mean stay undefeated, right? Like well, I guess Yeah, I mean Christopher Stinson, good at magic, shocking zero people. He's now leading. Uh, he he's now number one in the world for legacy challenge wins. That's the, that is the title. I like it. Uh, the second place list was the four color Ren deck. That's uh, okay. Thomas Mar. I thought it was because that's that's why the list looks familiar because no yeah. basics. Three decays. Uh, one three push. <laughs> one push is so brave to me. He's baleful strikes, so he's not as bad against the Delver decks, right? Like, one thing looking at this list does make me think is, um, I might try some sideboard baleful tricks in, uh, four color Delver. That, well, I mean, that could be your, um, that could be your, uh, depths, uh, right, right. It could be. It's really bad in the mirrors, though, because Ren and Six. But it is definitely something I may want to delve into. I actually into. watched him on camera at, uh, the card market series. Mm-hmm. He bodied that. Uh, yeah, that it, was, was, it was pretty gross. It just wasn't close. He just like drew forcible when he needed to, and he drew wasteland when he needed to, and just thoroughly. There, you know, there was a destroyed. There was opponent. a game where he had like two permanents. I think two lands, and that was it. And his opponent had like all this stuff, and he and I accidentally uh, left the room and wasn't paying attention came back and it you know they were sideboarding and it showed him what win and i was just like what so i had to go back to the bod and find out how this happened where he missed his third land drop for like a couple turns and still won he didn't he didn't miss his third land drop i don't think he just wastelanded his opponent a bunch is what happened like i think you're talking about game one where he just like wasteland his opponent a bunch and then his opponent, like, slipped things on the table, and then he was able to, like, eventually truck his way up to Jace and, like, kill a Monastery Mentor and some other stuff. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, there was there was a couple turns where he was uh, he was treading the whole mana thing, you know? 
know? Like, the four-color deck doesn't want to wasteland its opponents out of the game without red and six in play. Like, Yeah, you want to board state when you're wastelanding, but, you know, when you're playing against Bomberman, you just snipe their lands and really hope that that worked yeah. out for you. And then uh, Shark Caster Mage with this Maverick Depths with, <laughs> can you believe it, Elvish Reclaimer and uh, Giver of Runes. Just dodging red and six. What, Steve? Hear me out. What if I played Elvish Reclaimer in the sideboard of Delver to tutor up wastelands? Oh, you do like you do right? like Night of the Reliquary, an unhealthy amount, right? And I don't love it at an unhealthy amount. Like I, like I don't like Night of the Reliquary more than like Matsula or Dan Neely. But you're close. But I'm just saying, like, no, like that's like maybe a good out to the deck stacks. And it's like another threat that I can play in the Delvermeers. It's like a one-two that comes down. It becomes a th like if they wasteland me, they have to deal with a Tarmac right. wave, right? I mean, right. And then it also gives me a coherent plan against a lot of like random decks where I can just go like, all right, yeah, let's Yellow Chalice. Or not Yellow Chalice, but like Yellow Wasteland. What was that Delver deck? Moist Delver. I mean, Moist. What was it? Oh my God. Uh, the Ethan Gaiaski yeah, file. Something. You were in love with it because it had knights. It was Dark Knight yeah. Delver. No, it was just like randomly good Moist against Maverick. everything, but like Moist Tundra. Maverick. That's what it was. <laughs> uh, so this deck was four Deathrite Shaman, four Delver Secrets, three Stoneforge Mystic, three Knight of the Road Query, four Brainstorm, two Fatal Push, four Ponder, two Spokers, four Swords of Plowshares, four Days, one Zealous Persecution. Two forests, one GTA, one batter's gold. The man is a mess. Four wasteland, and then like the man is a mess. Sideboard, one Caracas, two Flusterstorm, three Surgical Extraction, three Thoughtseize, two Disenchant, one Life from Malone, one Sylvan Library, two Zealous But now you can play a one mana knight. He doesn't get too big, but if you, if you need, like, you don't need him to get that big. Nobody actually cares about knight's true size except for he's out of bolt range. I may have to try Elvish Reclaimer. I may have to give this a shot. Like, Elvish Reclaimer plus, like, maybe a Cyborg Proc or something. The issue is space, right? But it's it's definitely something to consider. Just, like, maybe having... Is it better for Rug Delver because it's almost like it's the better um, Nimble Mongoose for the deck? That card kind of is a Nimble Mongoose that hits Threshold real fast, huh? Yeah. I mean, there's just thoughts huh. the time, but yeah. Uh, huh. That's, no, that's that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Like, maybe it's time to just play, like, no car bad cards rug. Let's detour for a second. Let me make another copy of this deck. Let me go get batteries for my mouse. I'll be right back.
So I'm staring at no bad cards rug. I have three Goy, I have three Dread Hordes. I'm not sure where I'm fitting Elvish Reclaimer in. I, I, I guess I want like a couple in the main. Maybe not. It doesn't really. It's more like a Jonathan Alexander <sighs> version of the list where you're really under the mana denial. Like you're looking at probably playing your um, the Cabal Pit in red, um, uh, Barbarian Ring. You're looking at a Ghost Quarter, some Wastelands, and you're just going to try to lock them out of the game. Maybe, I mean, that one's like a fourth win and six, and at that point you just start looking at, like, just playing Naya Depths or something, right? I mean, so. it's definitely, I think, definitely a playable deck and something to think about in the future because you do have the backup plan of just being a Delver deck that beats base. Yeah, I... Yeah, it's definitely an interesting idea. Maybe I'll toy around with it. I think Elvish Reclaimer has some potential. My worry with, like, the four-color deck is just, like, you often have things to be doing with your mana, but I do like the idea of the mana scene. And, um... I don't know, it could open up, like, a... You're probably not playing Bajuka Bog, right? Like, you don't have enough copies of this card to reliably bog people. No, I wouldn't um, play Bog. I don't mind Barbarian Ring. Like, clearing the path to win. I don't think you're really in a Bog kind of deck. Yeah, Barbering is interesting. So that may be something to toy around with. You know, a little, little idea on the house for the listeners. In <laughs> um, fourth place was uh, a Miracles deck with Palace Jailer on the board. It was Stock Predict Miracles with Palace Jailer on the yeah, board. Yeah, I got nothing to say on it. Which, I still don't think Miracles is great. People spike tournaments. This guy probably played well all day. Worst is a name I recognize, and they always play Miracles. Their list is... As stock as stock miracles gets. Um, I'd, I'd like to tip, tip a beer to my 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 four color loam deck that you know I, I've always thought it was a pile of cards that somehow gets together, and now its name isn't even true anymore because it's playing one life from the loam. Four color loam is that deck that like. Everybody loves, but at this point, everyone who plays it is just like they've come to accept that the hands without Mox Diamond are so inconsistent and terrible that they almost don't want to play it. And like Dan Neely played Jund in this turn because he wanted to like metagame against the other different six decks and all that. And at the end of the day, he was just like, Yeah, the blue run in six decks is better. And now he's playing Depths. <laughs> um, Four color loam. With one life in the loam. It's just, it's really sad. Ren and six. It's just six color loam. Ren and six color yeah. loam. <laughs> uh, there, was, there was a Vraska right. Vulgari Queen instead of the honorary Ajani or uh, Queen Marchesa. <laughs> I don't really have an opinion on that. Like, Ajani and Queen Marchesa are like abnormally dead against like Tundra, right? But Vraska can come down and kill an opposing Renin Six. Or it turns like it gives the deck the draw engine at once, and then it also kills like random permanents that are a problem. Kill Blood Moon and stuff, so it's probably it's probably more reliable well, it's a, and it's it's much better. It's a much better card. Uh, so. uh, and then what we have sixth place Ant main deck Bale of Summer, be warned, listeners, be warned. Yeah, that's 
terrifying. Poor Bale in the 75, like, can't really play around it. People are really leaning in on Bale of Summer, and I don't know. I I don't know how I feel about it. Like, there, this year has been, we've been inundated with so many powerful cards that I kind of just wanted to stop. I kind of just want to, like, take, just chill, drink some lemonade, relax want, a bit. I want no more new cards, because if if I went back and said, uh, past Legacy Steve, what if there's an Overmaster that you can cast as an instance <laughs> and counter a card <laughs> and draw a card? I would have lost my mind. He'd be... Oh yeah, you'd be like you'd be you'd be selling your foil basic islands, right? Yeah, I just don't <laughs> I don't understand an Overmaster that can be cast as a as an interrupt as a as a counter spell. It's just it doesn't make sense. You'd, your wife. Your wife would be like, I love you, Steve. And you'd be like, I love you too, basic forest. <laughs> it's true. I have I have four foil veil of summers. I can't say anything. <laughs> God, card and is I, messed and up. I bought for the first time uh, when a new set comes out, I like the basic land package. I buy uh, like I buy eight islands, four planes, uh, one mountain, three swamps, and one forest. And one I always forest. buy one forest just in case. When I bought my gurus on Moto, they're like 20 cents each, but I bought like eight mountains, three planes, not eight mountains, eight islands, three planes, like one mountain, one forest, three swamps, something like well, that. <laughs> just like- if I opened up my binder to you right now, you would see two snow-covered foil forests from the new set. Two, and that's because of Veil of Summer. I've doubled my forest appreciation. <laughs> Shout out to Basic Forest, Save the Trees. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, Thirst for Knowledge podcast, environmentally safe. I'll go safe. green. I'm going green. I'm going green with Veil of Summer. Green! <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing play Six. And uh, Hail of Summer. So I've gone green. I'm also looking at Crashing Rhinos. We'll talk about it later. Um, four co- I don't think that deck is good. Um, I think the deck was like fine for two weeks when people like were still fi- figuring out what they were doing in Legacy. But the whole Rhino thing, just like Charlotte's agent still sucks. Yeah. Like, it's actually like that's the thing. It's just like you're trying to cheat on mana and it's just worse than just casting your spells. And that's pretty embarrassing. I think it's more than that. I think it's a, I think the metagame is too wild to be played. I think if it was a little more fair, the deck would be fine. But right now with, um, like you having to play against a mono red blood moon deck into a, uh, hex steps of different varieties. Like it's just not, it's not playable. Yeah. Also, one of my friends was like, oh, I love that you guys go past the standard hour for a podcast. And Steve, we aren't even like a third into our show. We're like maybe a third, maybe a third into our show notes. And we're already at an hour. Let's go. Y'all getting this long, long podcast. I like it. Life. I like it. And All of this how about, love. How about the next deck with uh, four color Delver with four Rens, four Ren and six? Yeah, I already talked about this. This is Tark Patel. Uh, the four Renin Six, four answers for Merit Lays. Here's two Inquisitions, one Thoughtseize. 
I feel, I know I was talking to uh, Edgar Magesh about Inquisitions in his four-color control deck, and he said his sideboard mapping showed that he was keeping the Inquisitions in against the Delver decks, and I feel like Tarek probably just was using the same logic. Haven't talked to him. Other than that, his main deck is basically stock four-color Delver, but he has the fourth Renin, six over the fourth Tarmogoyf. It's, I don't think it matters too much. I Maybe it helps. I should probably give it a shot. See how it yeah, goes. I play Inquisitions with my four-color deck because we have three evil burn players that are metagame, and I need to be able to pluck some of those cards out before they kill me. So, I, I Yeah, I'm just out here Thoughtseize and Idiots. Like, let's go. Oh, eighth place. I'm so happy because it was eighth and ninth. We got some Ho Garden depths. We got some of that uh, Kalani Garden action. I was so happy about that. Still, still poking its head back into the fray. Yeah, I was talking to Jarvis, and he feels like the stock depths looks just so tuned at this point that you don't actually need to splash your Hogak. But I know Chad Hardy likes the Hogaks. Um, I what was it? Dan Neely played Hogak, and he um, five owed his first league, but he didn't have the fourth copy of Depths or Thespian Sage Amazed because he didn't own the fourth copy of Depths. So it was like, whatever, YOLO. And he was just like, yeah, I just slapped people with Hogak and they died. Like, what's good? I mean, <laughs> run me that anybody that plays Modern <laughs> might have some more thoughts about that. I don't know. <laughs> Mediocre creature beats so, into Hogak. So, yeah, I don't have any strong opinions of this deck. I'm not sure which one is better. Uh, I agree with Jarvis that the Hogak list is way more tuned. Or not the Hogak list, the non-Hogak list is way more tuned. But the Hogak list seems interesting. My issue is just that some of the cards in the Hogak list are just, like, very low floor. Like, Citrus Supplier and Seder Wayfinder are, like, kind of terrible magic cards. And I don't feel like you're really maximizing what you can do with them. But I'm sure people will uh, sort I think that it's out. like looking at... This reminds me of looking at old... Uh different lands decks well some of them were made for grinding against fair metagames and some were made to just like you know well i gotta pull the emergency release button just kill my opponents before they kill me and that's what this reminds me of like the ho garden depths is probably going to grind a fair deck a little bit better than a hex, the, the newer hex depths but uh the hex depths has probably got a million percent more game I mean, against combo i think you're taking your I think you're taking your win rate against the like fair blue decks or whatever from like seventy percent to eighty percent, or seventy percent to ninety percent. It's like not, it's a jump, but it's not an insane. Right. Jump, I don't think right? it's. I don't know if it's worth the jump, but like if you did like ever know, I'm gonna play against more blue decks than anything else. It's it's it wouldn't be bad to just eat the you know get the extra twenty percent. Yeah. Also, shout out to uh, all the hitters. Who were playing Primeval Titan in the sideboard of their lands decks <laughs> back in 2014? We see you. We know who you are. We respect you. We love you. And Keep don't forget your warm harvest. <laughs> yeah. You haven't lived until you worm harvest. If you haven't lived until you worm harvest, oh my god. If you've never worm harvested someone in Legacy, don't at me. We aren't friends. I don't right. like you. I'm just kidding. Subscribe to our Patreon that doesn't exist yet. Uh, tenth place, boring four color Delver. I've got nothing to say. 
it's four color. Because I, yeah, it's like every list looks the same. It's just like the list that me and my dudes came up with. And this guy has two preordained because they're smart, but they only have one spell pierce, so they probably lost a combo. But but the next guy, he's drinking. He's he's drinking. A lot of people. <laughs> what's noticeable is that this person do they not have surgical? They have one surgical, one graph tickers cage, and then they have three answers to dark depths. It may be a point where I have to bite the bullet and have three answers to dark depths, but I really just But what about the hex drinker? I'm... Oh, hex drinker, I mean, yeah. I think I've, I'm pretty sure I've lost <laughs> to this dude twice. Uh, hex drinker is like obnoxious in Delvermeers because at a certain point it just like comes down and pumps up and becomes a true name and you're just like, well, okay, I guess. Damn. Yeah. I looked at it three <sighs> times. I think uh, I think he was like, I don't want to play Elvis Reclaimer in my Delver deck, so I'm gonna play Hex Drinker. They usually play Rug Delver with Elvis with Hex Drinker, and no like no stifles, and play like Bad Magic Sinkhole. And like I played against them in like Lost Master because I played aggressively around Stifle and they didn't have it, so it's one of those things. Um, I like Hex Drinker and like straight up Rug Delver because it gives you. Like, people playing around Stifle is real when you go, like, Hex Drinker, pump it twice, leave up my third mana. What you gonna do? Right. You know, right. but when when it's, like, four color, it's just like, well, you don't have room for Stifle, so Plague Engineer on Snake. <laughs> okay. Shout out to Plague Engineer on Snake. Protection from go to the graveyard right now. <laughs> Then we got the uh, the next the next list. I had to read it three times because I couldn't believe it. I, I thought it was you know it had to be like a a typo or something. Nah. Oh, it's this is Red Eldrazi, son. You've never seen Red Eldrazi. No, but one obligator, one Naheeb, just just. You only need one obligator to steal Marilage, you know. I guess. <laughs> you you don't want multiple Naheeves. You can cast all your stuff. You just want one. Just got to cheat on mana that one right. time. Right. You know? Just got to hope and you yeah. get that consistency. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, if you... Four Thought Not Steer, four Reality Smasher. Like, that's... That's the deck. That's the core of a good yeah. deck, right? Like, if you put whatever else around it, you're going to just have enough... Like, Soul Lands, Reality Smasher... Thought out here. You're gonna kill people before they do relevant things, and uh, it doesn't really matter what else you put around it. So I don't know if this deck is good. I don't know if this deck is bad. Uh, I don't have any real comments, fight, but it's just red Eldrazi. Uh, your your Drazis, like yeah, one dead gone. Like yeah, yeah I mean there was a lot of interesting one ups. I never understood the idea of P fires with the Eldrazis just because you don't need to kill little things when you're well, big dumb creatures. You, you, you do, you do. That's the thing. Like a lot of the deck, like the Delver decks, they beat you by playing like their Delver, flipping it on turn one, and then like playing like Goyce and stuff, and then you can't attack profitably, and they just peck you for three. Um, like that's that's just how those Zeldrazi decks work. Like they lose to early aggression, and just having answers to early aggression outside of just going Chalice the Void, which like sometimes is a reliable play, and sometimes it gets forcible. Sometimes your opponent doesn't care. Like. You you do definitely want the. I just feel like this guy's got. He's got what? He's got four rabble masters, a hazaret. He's got two abrades, a dead gone, two fiery confluence. Like, I think he's got stuff. Like, 
Well, you don't have cantrips to tie all of this together. I think that's what you're not factoring no, in, right? you're right. That's why I don't understand some of the one-offs, like, but yes. So, I mean, the <laughs> one-offs definitely make less sense without cantrips. But, you know, it's it's just one of those things. Like, you, these decks struggle with early aggression. Legacy is a format built around efficiency, so as people, like, push being efficient, their creatures centralize around having one or two toughness and red removal answers that so you have punishing fire to answer everything small and then you know reality smasher smacks the shit out of anyone who's trying to do anything else like who cares uh 13th place was drowsy post it's the old drowsy post deck you've seen it you've lost to it you hate it it's, it's there you're just gonna I'm, I'm still hurt by this loss my opponent just disrespected me um Oh, you, you really actually did lose to it. I was so scared. I was talking in general. No. <laughs> Son, you just brought up emotional moments for me. It may have been the same guy. Hold on. Like, it was the same guy. They just disrespected me. Like, I like Game three, I kept a hand that was Brainstorm, Renin 6, Tarmogoyf. And I was like, okay, well... I'm going to keep this because it was Brainstorm. I'm going to turn one Brainstorm, hopefully find like any sort of interaction, maybe a Wasteland Levers, Sprint and Six. And their curve was Chalice 1 on turn 1, Chalice 2 on turn 2, <laughs> Ugin the Ineffable on turn 3, and it hurts way Boom. more knowing they only had two copies of Boom. Ugin. I'm going to... I'm. I'm going to cry myself to sleep tonight. Jesus uh, I will oh say... On on the Card Kingdom stream this week, side note, I watched a version of this deck being played, and I had seen a post from uh, uh, Nasty Nick from South Florida Magic in another group about this deck. And it was a... Uh, what's that card that's tearing up vintage that's the future site for artifacts? Literally anything that's been printed Well, true, this year. but the, it's the future site oh, for artifacts. Yeah. Uh, Whatever the forge, yeah. something forge it, or whatever. It was yeah. it was a drowsy post deck playing Mystic for Mystic forge, forge and Manifold yeah. Key. I think I saw a part and of it that. was untapping its Mystic Forge. To, it was just driving through its deck so fast, and I was vomiting in my mouth <laughs> because not only was like the Manifold Keys helping the Grim Monoliths and the. Uh, all the other cards, it would then like let you get through your deck with Mystic Forge and then make, you know, Reality Smasher, you know, smack you. So I was just like, I'm, I'm just completely baffled and bothered by these set of cards. Yeah. I feel like Watsy isn't let's let's bust out our tinfoil hats, everybody. Go get your go get your tinfoil. Wizards of the Coast isn't gonna officially resolve into your legacy. But they will make the formats unplayable by printing overtly powerful cards until we all just stop. Tell me some more. <laughs> They're killing the tabletop, no, right? <laughs> the killing. I mean, we did get an yeah. update. We did get a little. We did get a little something. Yep, you we know, might get to play magic. We got. We got a little something from the teat of Wizards of the Coast, which we'll talk about later. Uh, We're gonna cover that later. Yeah, we might cover that at a different time. We had... <laughs> <laughs> now, y'all get in a three-hour podcast. You're going to listen to this through your whole workday at your desk job. I see you, Fred. 
with any, that uh, blue black race. shadow next. His blue black shadow, whatever. He he, he played he played shadow. I, I've got nothing else. That's a good. It's a good aggressive deck. Uh, yeah, Tan and Grace actually uh, messaged me. First of all, contentious plans is a hot answer for Chalice. That is great. That is actually great. Yeah, well, so that's actually what I I picked that card up because it was better than Throne of Death. Yeah, that is definitely Throne of Like, it draws Throne. a card. Yo, that's fire. With um, the last open play, it's even kind of cute. That's fire. Yo, that is great. I love that. Um, But no, Tannen Grace messaged me last week. And he was like, what do you think of Blue Black Shadow? And I generally had a dissenting opinion of Shadow because it's like a mono black deck that tries to splash enough blue cards for Force Will, and there's just a lot of issues with it. And <clears throat> I still don't like the deck. But there may be a build that plays red for Dreadhorde Arcanist. Um, you know, maybe get a little Lightning Bolt. Just just some of the holes that the deck has. It has consistency issues. Like, a lot of its game plan is, like, Thought sees you 35 times, cast a Hammer Torok, play a Gurmag Angler. Hope you never top deck an answer. And then when you do, they just die. Like, their Shadow deck is just unfortunately inconsistent. And it doesn't actually have a good combo matchup because, like I said, it Thought seizes you 35 times, and then your Storm opponent just goes, like, Dark Red, Dark Red, LED, Infernal Tutor, get Tendrils, kill you. Or just like Natty tendrils you with a storm count of four, and I I wish I was being hyperbolic about that, but like every storm player I've talked to, like Brian Cook, Cyrus, just all the guys you know, just in sort storm player names. Uh, there are too many of you guys to you know story bros to mention, and uh, they've all said the same thing about that matchup. It's like they just cast a bunch of discard spells and then die to storm count four, and Dreadhorde Arcanist may potentially give you that extra link you need to not only answer the fair decks by having, like, extra bolts or whatever, because that deck removal package is really awkward in terms of, like, dismember and snuff out, but also giving you that extra push you need to find your, like, stubborn denials and forcibles against a storm deck or, like, you know, flashing back thought seasons needed. I don't so that may be something else. to do. I don't think Stubborn Elves a playable card. I think you should just play Force and Negation. It's, it's super inconsistent. I don't think the deck can support Force and Negation. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly that Force and Negation is a better card. But this deck's blue count is like kind of... I mean, it's 20. You're running it's 20. Pond. It's yeah, it's 20. 20. So, I mean, I, I, would, I would definitely get it up to 22, 23. Like, you can... You're hardcasting force a lot of the Not time. with this mana base, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, you don't, your mana base doesn't even support right, this guy. Well, he does, this guy doesn't have an with, island. With 20 blue cards? Mm, I'm not holding them canceled ever. Like, I'm... Like, that's the thing. But, but the boy Dreadwater Canist gets you the extra blue card. Gets you the extra everything yeah, I you do, need. I do... Like, let's I like Arcanist in this deck. I, like, I think Arcanist would make this deck... A lot better. I don't. I actually don't even like Delvers in this deck. So it's one of those things where I, I've never agreed with the Delvers in, the, in this deck. So 
Does anyone like the Delver in this deck? I think everyone agrees that the Delvers are just terrible in this deck, but they just like run them because they have to. Because of blue right. card count. Right? But I think you could I and, think you could change like you don't have to do it because you know you have to. I think you know you can increase I, I like the more mid rangey. I think uh Ben Friedman was playing of a more mid mid range version. He was playing Jace from Prodigy, but you know, whatever. Like <coughs> he's He's basically going... He's better at magic than most of the legacy community. Et cetera, yeah. Et um, yeah, I don't know. I think Dreadheart Arcanus is a bit more playable than JCP, but obviously the blue card count thing is relevant. I think it could be something to like look into. Yeah. Like, you know, the listeners are getting the ideas that we think are good, but we aren't going to personally test them because we're lazy and doing other things. But you know, you guys should try and get that cloud. I've never taken you know, my Ren and Sixes. Add us on Twitter. <laughs> Not till he gets banned. Yeah, buddy. Lonely sandbar and chill. Uh, <laughs> the next list was just Reanimator. Got nothing. Black red. Yeah. I we aren't even like looking at the Reanimator list. Like this guy's a Magasomon. It's just like yeah, it's just Reanimator shenanigans, yeah, whatever. I, Literal card shenanigans. I actually looked at it. The two different Reanimator lists. One was green. For green cards, one was white for white cards. It's Serenity versus Reverend Silence. Cool. I've got nothing else to say about it. Like, you know, they're playing shenanigans. Cool. Like, it's just... And the 16th place list is just TES. It looks like Anthony Laverde's list because uh, he still plays Duress and he doesn't play um, Defense Grid. And uh, shout out to Anthony. Catch him streaming at twitch.tv slash grapeshot, G-R-A-A-P-E-S-H-O-T. Yeah, I mean, it's just, oh, I I guess this guy's playing a void snare. Whatever. Not very common. Mostly Anthony's list. He's not playing grapeshot. Uh, That's just disrespectful. (laughs) Yeah. You got to respect the OGs, right? I I, I looked three times because I was like, where is the grape shot? And I was like, he's not even playing it. He does have pulverize. Yeah, he cut grape shot for void snare, which, like, is fine, I guess. Like, there are times when void snare is good, but, like, I think, I know Brian tested it, and the issue is, like, partially just a matter of you're two for wanting yourself to, like, temporarily answer something. And the thing that you're going to want to void snare the most is, um, like, a chalice of void, right? So it's not even, like, a real answer. Like, Tess, Tess is, re- like, really good at killing its opponent quickly, but it's really bad with anything that's resource-intensive. And Burning Wish for your answer for something has to, like, really kill that answer and not be temporary yeah. or anything. Yeah, like, so, the sorcery uh, just kills it. Like, if you have to do it then and then have the mana and to have the cards to get to it, like, that's just, it's just too much. You'd rather bridge it over two turns. And you want all yeah. that mana so you can go go smack them with goblins. Goblins are, you know, tendrils. Oh, AK Miracle's got 18th place. That's nice. Shout out to my brand. Yeah, it's definitely AK Miracle's. It's definitely <clears throat> unplayable. Damn, I feel <laughs> not attacked. I mean, would you play this? Um... Three Jace, one Narsa, two Mentor, three Snap, two Council. <clears throat> I would definitely have a second priority. I mean, I would definitely have a second priority over the Narset. Um, one Counterspell, 
two spell snare. I get the spell snare, probably have like a spell pierce and a force negation. Like, all they did was just basically take like stock blue white AK miracles and add like spell snares to it. And then the sideboard is like a path exile that I never got around to testing. Like, this is almost basically the list that like I and Minhajul and, um, I can never w remember which Strassler I interact with on a regular base list. I think it's Luke. It maybe no. I think Noah is the one who qualified for the Pro Tour recently. Shout out to Noah. Yeah. Basically, what I'm saying is, stock AK miracles with like three card changes happened, and I'm not playing AK miracles even though I made the archetype. Yeah, I played miracles. So I won't play this. It just seems bad. I mean, I would be cutting all the counter spells and spell snares for force negations because you are a card advantage deck, so you now can afford to spew cards to live. Well, the issue is that you spew too, like with too many force negations, you spew too many cards in the early game. So, like that's why you want the one for one counter spells. So, I don't disagree. I don't know if I would have double. I, 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 the double spell snare makes sense with the context of the format. But you have to have it. Uh, I, I actually really like this list a lot. Outside of the Narset, I would probably just cut Narset for Preordain and then like the sideboard, three surgical. I don't know. I'd probably do some two surgical, whatever. Like play a Caracas in the sideboard because of depths. But <clears throat> otherwise, I'd just run it as is. Um, maybe play a Nature's Chant over the second Disenchant for you know, whatever value that is of splitting up your similar effects. And I would definitely play two Hydro Blasts. What about Punishing Jund next? Maybe maybe you don't want two Hydro Blasts. Whatever. What I'm saying is, like, I may incinerate a league worth of tickets or whatever, or play points to uh, play this because Miracles is love. Miracles stream is stream love. it. Stream it. Punishing so I can So I can uh, enjoy your torment. Okay. <laughs> I may record it for our Patreon that there doesn't exist, record though. Record it so they can watch you set tickets on fire, play from behind, and once in a while beat people out of nowhere and, and scream at them. <laughs> yeah, yeah! Anyway, um, yeah, Dan Neely messaged me last week and was just like, I'm thinking about playing Jun, don't tell anybody. And, uh, I didn't tell anybody. Uh, and then he immediately switched to depths. That's it. That's the story. Jund is incons is less consistent than every other blue deck that does the exact same thing of like resource, just like one for one into two for one, whatever. And uh, well, I, I messaged you too. I'm thinking about playing it, but I'm going to play uh, Arcanist over Dark Confident. Yeah, 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 yeah. We did talk about that. I, I, right. I like the idea of the deck. I don't know if I want Punishing Fires because I don't think Punishing Fire is good right now. So I wouldn't play that. You know what's, you know what's going to happen, Steve? You're going to mulligan to six. You're going to look at your one-land hand with Arcanist. <laughs> that's what, that's what I'm asshole. doing with... Uh, your asshole's going to fucking tighten all the that's way up. What, that's what I'm doing with four-color four uh, Renin Six. So. Just, just completely tight. And you're going to go, man, I wish I had a ponder. I wish there was a deck that was playing every card here, but also had ponder. 
So I should get to 90 cards. And then, no, no, I'm not done, Steve. I'm not done. You're going to you're gonna go to twitch.tv backslash strifo. And you're gonna you're gonna see the deck that has all the same cards, but also has ponder. So you can keep those one laners. Which would you rather have, Steve? Ponder and Snapcaster Mage or Blood Red Elf? I mean it is Dak Faden versus Blood Red Elf in your story. Just hold just hold that for a minute. Just just hold that. Open your third eye, Steve. I'm gonna go with Ponder. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You, Cancer Cartel, gang gang. I'm going to say something that you know the top sixteen. Um, there were seventeen copies of Red and Six, and and to me the shock, sixteen copies of Elvis Reclaimer, sixteen. Yeah, it turns out the best answer for Red and Six is just playing like decks with overwhelmingly proactive game plans that don't allow the Red and Six decks to play proactive game plans, right? Like I was talking about earlier, Four Color Delver wants to just like be proactive and slap its opponent around. And then it's really bad at being reactive. And all of a sudden, there's like these dub stacks and like moon decks where you have to like try and answer what your opponent's doing and can't. You just like can't properly do that. And that's like the existence of a Four Color well, deck. If you look, there's and, no DNT. You know, there's no DNT in this top 16, but there's 15 Plague Engineers. So, and there's also no other tribal decks. So, yeah, Plague Engineer is messed up. Why is it one black? Why is it not two black? Like, Plague Engineer as a card becomes a lot more palatable when it costs two black to cast because, like, the rate, it, like, Plague Engineer being splashable is just way too egregious. I get that, like, mostly black decks are playing it, but, like, or, well, base black decks are playing it, but. There's going to be a point where, well, I mean, Four Color Delver is basically splashing with Plague right. Engineer, right? No, there's a lot of decks. Like, if that card was double black, that deck just wouldn't run sweepers or run rough combo. Yeah, I actually Ooh. argue that Four Color Control doesn't necessarily need black, but Plague Engineer. I, it used to be K Command and Liliana. Well, Liliana's not being played. It's just K Command and Thought Seizes. And really, honestly, you could probably get away without thought seizes in k command but now this plague engineer just makes you go i, well, I want to play this you know there's so many decks it just shuts down so i i i, I the, the effect's powerful there's also 11 bale of summers in this top 16 and that's with that's with a lot of decks that you just don't see counterplay from normally yeah, definitely. Also, condescend shout out to Adam the Chick. He got top 32 with one dead and gone, one labeled him Seri of Trust, um, one submerged. Like, I played against him in the challenge, and he just, like, drew hot fire. Just, like, I played Goyth, he would rip the Abruptigate, whatever. Um, but he's also on two preordained. But he's on 20 land, which is interesting. He had two Dreadhorde Arcanist, um, three Ren and Six. You only have one spell pierce, so it's just one of those things of like, I still think you want 19 lands, two spell pierce, two preordained, so that you hedge your bets a bit more. He had the fire eyelid, it was like fine in our match. Um, Leobold is definitely something interesting. Dead Gone is something to consider, I guess. No, you know, 
zero, no fluster storms are really a, a discipline. Like count. Nobody's playing fluster storm. Oh, I know. Dude. Like I'm not playing fluster storm. Like none of the black decks have fluster storm. It's like miracles. It's like the five guys still playing miracles on mode. Right. I just think it's kind of funny with what world we're in, where we're not we're not going to play any additional spell pierces or fluster storms, any kind of counter magic. We're just going to play answers and proactive things. Well, the the dynamic changed, right? With Renin, not Renin six. Um, what's the card? Force negation. Like people started cutting their fluster storms with force negations because it allowed them to tap out more, which allowed them proactive plans against storm. Whereas before, like your storm match was like turn one, land, go, hold up spell pierce. Turn two, land, play my delver, hold up spell pierce still. Turn three, play like something else or do use two man like you were getting wrist imported every turn. And now it's just like, no, I'm gonna slam on you idiot. And you just have like five or six force of wills, and like your opponent just has to respect that. And it's definitely like a downside for the storm players, because when like like playing around force will is one thing, but playing around like every force every turn, right? Well, and force and negation is watching exile the- clause is actually relevant for the past and flames decks. So you know, yeah, I watched Domino EXP get his past and flames get force and negation, and it was just like, well, you lose, so quit the game, just quit, just right click concede. Close moto, go to bed, get you, you know, get you a nice little midnight snack. It's over. Yeah, it's definitely, know? it's a different it's okay. world. You got the, between, I mean, and there was a lot of copies of uh, Force of Negation and Force of Vigor. And I mean, the Mo- Modern Horizons, War of the Spark, and even Core Set 20 or M20, whatever it's called, because of uh, Elvis Reclaimer, has really just kind of smacked Legacy. And I, I mean, we talked about it last week, but it's just, it's still here. Like, we're still seeing all these cards <clears throat> popping up these decks, you know. I, I just, I can't yeah. even understand it. Besides that Blood Sun guy, I don't know about him. He's crazy. Like, everybody else is playing new cards and, you know. Uh, here's Thuggin'. Ah! You know? <laughs> they're <clears throat> On the gang, Steve. So, I, I, <clears throat> I don't know how I feel about it, but I'm enjoying Legacy at the same time as I'm kind of baffled by these effects there's a lot going on in legacy and it's one of those things where like you enjoy it as long as you ignore how much the like how overpowered a lot of things on are in terms of just homogenizing the format yeah but and i was gonna i was gonna say i'm baffled because at the same time you told me that there was an entire Reddit thread today on people hating on a card that's been in Legacy forever, and it's... I don't even think it's that good right now. Which uh, card? True Skill Nemesis? Oh, it wasn't Reddit that it was Twitter. Oh, Twitter, I'm sorry. And basically the thread was... It was Emma Handy posting the thread of just like, I hate your name. It's an unfun card. Uh, true. True name is an unfun card. But there's something about Legacy where, like, people don't really want to acknowledge that the format is literally just design mistakes slapping up against each other, and we've somehow Stockholm syndromed ourselves into enjoying it. Sorry, I should stop being distracted. I'm throwing treats at my cat, just chucking them across the room. 
Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I have my issue with hating on True Name is uh, there's a card you might have heard of it, seven seven, I think, flying. Grizzled Dad. Does he come down on turn one? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those things where like it's a psychological aspect, right? Like you're playing what feels like an intricate and interesting game, and all of a sudden your opponent results True Name Nemesis and what was an interesting game is gone. And it's just like, here's this 3-3. Like, I've played games against people where I just go turn three true name, and I attack, 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 and then they right-click and see. And that's it, right? But in terms of being, like, ridiculous or egregious, is that really more ridiculous than, like, Grizzlebrand coming down on turn one? Not really. It's just an emotional response. I right? think that people like you had something that was great and was took taken away, and then like when when someone's shown torn show and tells you, you're like, oh, that was messed up. But whatever. I think people get confused. They, they, and tells um, they think because you're not killing them on turn one that you're technically, you know, we use the, we throw these words around. You're a fair deck, and if you're in legacy. There's nothing you do is fair. Nothing in Legacy is fair. Oh, if no. If you're playing a competitive Legacy deck, nothing you do is fair. So you shouldn't be surprised by Grizzle or True Name Nemesis or any of these powerful effects. You should just recognize it as part of the format and move on. Like, I, I, I do hate it, you know. Even Death and Taxes, you, you ever get a Flicker uh, uh, Wisp Recruiter of the Guard loop going? You want to talk about, like, you're like, this deck's, you know, it's white weenie draft deck. Well, you get recruiter looped, you're, you die, basically, to these mediocre beats that you can't answer. So. Yeah, like, Legacy as a format is just about disrespecting your opponent as much as possible and doing the most powerful things. And a lot of those times, those things are egregious design mistakes. Day's design mistake. Like, every... I can make an argument for every card that people love in Legacy as being a huge design mistake. Grizzlebrand, Show and Tell. Fetch Lance. Whatever. Fetch Lance. Fetch Lance. <laughs> everything. Fetch Lance, Dual Lance. Just, like, everything in Legacy is a design mistake. And you, as a person, should hate them. But you're used to them. So, True Name is just one of those cards that comes down and it ruins what feels like a very natural air quote game of magic and turns into something that had some seemingly multi facets and centralized it, it around one card. I mean, you know, wild Mikado's looking at Delver secrets, <laughs> like talking about design mistakes. Yeah, I mean, we don't like cats in these streets. My cats. They're... Right. But I mean, you know, Delver Secrets is an egregious card mistake. People just don't realize it. Yeah, of course it is. Like, there's no way blue... Like, in terms of just, like, color pie theory, there's no reason uh, that blue should have, like, a one-drop that turns into a 3-2 that, flying. That's drawback. Like, Delver Secrets is drawback is you have to play spells in your blue deck. Like, <laughs> yeah! Such a drawback, yeah. Steven. It is... Oh my god! Yeah, that... I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know if I can live up to that drawback. Like how? I'll figure um, it out. I. 
I'm going to have to think about that one, Steve. I don't know if I'm ready to take that commitment of putting spells in my blue deck in the format where spells cost I mean, zero. even it's gonna have to even like the, the most mediocre mm. cards in Legacy, like Stoneforge Mystic, it's an egregious card. It's it's a tutor and an enabler that you know enables a expensive equipment in from a cheap, uncounterably. I mean, it's it's super mediocre, but it's still more powerful than normal magic. If that makes you know, I just don't I don't think True Name's that bad. We've got too many answers now. I think True Name when he was printed was ridiculous, yeah. but. I mean, the the idea of this portion was intended to validate or invalidate the comments of the thread. <clears throat> like, people are entitled to their opinions. And I agree that True Name is, as a card, very egregious. Um, the point was mostly to put out that everything in Legacy is egregious and you should hate it. But you don't, because of subjective standards slash you know, whatever, Stockholm Syndrome, whatever. And that's just legacy as a format. Like, everything is terrible, but we act actively like playing busted ideas of cards against other busted ideas of cards. And that's that's just the whole thing. I, I definitely agree. I just, there's, there's too many effects right now. Like, I actually think, like, you know, if you really want to be upset about some, like, some of these new effects that are one-sided, ugh. Ugh. Give me some magical effects. Come on. Yeah, I mean, even though like true name seems so egregious, double blue. It's a three one. There, the one one time I brought to our local store like seven different minus one minus one effects because we had like three different people that love playing true name nemesis times four. And I was just having fun. There was the there was the one that had like buyback. There was the one that like it exiled itself. It was suspend, and then when it would you cast it, it would go back and suspend, and it would come back. And it was just you know, I was. Are you playing Tysus? Are you playing Tysus? Look, I just have fun, okay. Tysus? This lot of cards. This lot really? of cards. This lot of cards in Legacy. You'd be surprised. Hold up. I can't tell what's worse. The fact that you're playing Tysus or the fact that I knew that card off the rip. <laughs> it's no, not, it's not Tysus. That's a destroy yeah. effect. Oh, damn it. I know what's... Oh, what's the card you're I talking about? I can't remember because I looked at... I actually played so oh, many different effects God. of this that I didn't... I couldn't keep up. I just went to my old foil like box and said I'm gonna go look for these effects. Basically what Steve is saying is if you show up in these Cincinnati streets, he's gonna shit in your oatmeal. You better be ready for Don't play don't play X ones. <laughs> don't play. No lacking out here in these streets. You're dead, son. You are so, dead. Uh yeah, I just don't know. I just think that true names as far as like a great design, it's not fun. It's uninteractive, but also, on one on turn one, it's not fun. Blood Moon on one is really not fun. Yeah. Well, it's a psychological aspect, right? Like, if you get to play Magic for eight turns, and all of a sudden it's just like, oh, the game doesn't matter anymore, you're going to be big mad. Because something that was, as you perceived, interesting is no longer interesting, yeah. right? But if you get Chalice of Void on turn one, you're just like, ugh. Like, you, you accept it much faster that this isn't going to be a quote-unquote interesting game well, you didn't, of Magic. 
and you move on with your life. So it's just like a different emotion. Right, you didn't impact. you didn't have a you didn't have a leg in the horse. Treat. I can see that. Like you didn't have a leg in the race. Like you were like like right. I you know, I played a game. One of the games I lost, my opponent went you went Herberg Thoughtseize. I was like, ugh, he took my force well. I was like, oh probably gonna die. And he went, you know, turn to Dark Depths, Dark Mage, you're dead. And yeah. I was just like, Okay, I'm you know, I'm dead. <laughs> Got him. Like, you, know, well, you know, I had fun, kind of, not really. So you know, yeah, it's just like there's a difference between like, like there's a certain subset of games where you just accept, accept that something happened, right? Right. And then there's going to be a subset of games where like you feel like you have agency, and tree name as a card steals agency from the player, and that's where people get mad. But if it's a game where like you never had agency, it's a much it's it's much easier to just accept. I wasn't a player. I was <clears throat> I was a crash test dummy. See, I, and I and I like to reverse it and think of it like this: A, my decks will never lose to a nemesis without some kind of play. It's like it doesn't come down till turn three, so I have time to prepare for most things. You know, and the fact that it's double blue, you know it. You know if it's X got it or not. So, like, I do feel like you can prepare yourself for it, and you can interact with it a lot more than a lot of these other decks, where I have no interaction. You know, them they reveal Chancellor on the play and go <laughs> Dark Ritual. Thought <laughs> to use myself, reanimate. Good game. Like I, I had no, there was nothing that I could ever do. So I feel like true name is much a much lower, you know, annoyance factor than some of these other decks. Yeah, it's just an interesting so, look into the psychology of magic and just like magic. What what, what would you play like, if you were going to pick up a new you know, deck? What would you play? Would you play one of these? Uh, it would be or reanimator decks. Be that talking about. Like I'll probably try some depths this weekend or something, but like, like I'm not that great at combo decks. It's a whole. Whoops, I was muted. Anyway, I was saying uh, it would just be depths. That's what I would play. Uh, I may actually just like take some time and jam some depths and get a feel for it. Like I'm not very good at com combo decks, but um, I think that depths is just like, like I said, it may be the best deck in Legacy right now. It just has coherent plans against everything in the format. And um, yeah, I would I would definitely try it. What about yourself, Steve? Um, I'm gonna try Manalus Hogak Dredge. That's uh, definitely <clears throat> in my future. Um, anyway, so I'm looking for a new co-host. <laughs> uh, you but know, I, but I, I if also you're, if you're interested in co-hosting a podcast, hit me I up. I also want to try the you know oh, I prefer the Hogarden. <laughs> Depth um, I just love the idea of two game plans that you know, and maybe depth, depths, regular depths by itself is enough with the reclaimers to have two coherent game plans. So, yeah, like people were playing the reanimator depths deck, and they were like, "Oh, you have two distinct plans, and they're really good." And it's just like, well, no, like. They don't really dodge different hate. I'm just gonna board in surgical. I'm gonna board in surgical and I'm gonna board in diabolic edict anyway. Like the 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 depth reanimator deck, I was just destroying with Delver shells because it, was, it would just die to like either hate regardless. And um, 
you know, they would put so many cards into one or the other plan that if you had your hate card or like when you had your hate card, you'd answer it and move on with your life, right? Whereas the Hogak Death's deck has like, you know, it's really hard to just answer it because the Incidental Bodies cut off Edict, you know, the whole forest thing for submerge plow it has like all these therapies like they don't have to present their plan until you're perfectly just dead and that's well, they can sack they can sack their creatures in response to submerge that's what's sick you can't even like get a tempo play with submerge like yeah who gives a fuck about so, like, target target your hogak up <laughs> sack it well huh <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it turns submerge into vapor smoke which is really sad Alexa, play two Millie, or Millie Rock on any block, you know, which is slighted. I don't know. I, I think that, uh, I think that deck is probably, it'll be the, you know, Hogak, Manalist Dredge, and I won't be hosting anymore. Or it'll be uh, Hogak Depths. Yeah, I, I agree. Um... We have some other topics on the docket. We can keep going. We're only at like almost two hours. Like whatever. They're gonna get an earful. Um, <clears throat> so we already talked about the Grixis Shadow deck briefly. Uh, I did put a note here that Stompy may be close to being one of the best decks because it answers all the four color stuff and it's just a you know it's a fast chalice shell that can also present. It also answers depths. Uh, how do you it feel about that? Depths, right. So like our, our overall yeah, thing is kind depth, of kind of depths and, and the four color run in six and most of the decks that we've been talking about, except for the Stoneblade deck, basically fold to the mono red. And that might be the window for Stoneblade to come back in if these mono red decks can catch. I think the issue is that mono red kind of just destroys most of the fair blue decks. And yeah, Stoneblade is good against mono red, but it's like okay against the other blue decks that's the thing or other fair decks in general that's you know it's it's stumbling it's like fair it's like whatever people are running thoughtsies like i said i'm not boarding an ancient grudge against the batter skull deck because i can just thoughtsies it or bolt their stone forge and leave them stranded with bad cards and it's uh i don't know i'm eh, not really happy with stone blade positioning um I don't know. It's... I don't, I'm not saying... Um, what I'm saying is, like, if the mono-red deck does become de facto one of the best bet decks again, it does invite Stoneblade to do things like spike a challenge with a group. You know, like, that was almost somebody, like, that was, like, super brain because they were, like... And I think it was by accident, according to his Twitter thread, but, like, yeah, he was, yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to play this Stoneblade deck. And then everybody else was, like... Some all these other people like went well. I'm gonna play mono red because it's good against all these other decks. <clears throat> and he basically, you know, outfunk everybody by playing blade. I mean, he just played the deck he knew and got a good matchable. Play. Like again, not trying to discredit him as a player, but also just acknowledging the fact that he picked a deck that he knew because he felt that legacy as a format is a format where like you want to just play the deck that you know the best, and he also just got a good match. Kind of a consistency factor. But, you know, whatever. Um, moving on to our next thing. 
I may start playing some new decks, you know? I may I may pick up a little Duffs. I may pick up a little Moon Stompy, you know? Put down the Ponders for a little while. Maybe maybe I punish people for things. My cat will not eat this treat that I'm trying to feed her. And I... Come, there you go, cat. Because you talked about putting down the Ponder. Yeah, cat's just like, what are you talking about, son? You've never not casted Force Will in your life. I mean, you told me to look at Strifos <laughs> list earlier, so. <laughs> Whoa. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> um, no, but, like, it may be time, like, I, I generally spend most of my time playing Ponder deck lists, and Legacy is shaping up in a way that it kind of looks like the non-blue decks are secretly king. And uh, I haven't put much time into these non-blue decks, but maybe it's time to. Well, I mean, maybe it's time to you know thug it out and play a little little, little Elvish Reclaimer. What if you I know? told you there was only eight brainstorms in the top eight of the, you know, the Legacy MCQ? Eight brainstorms. That's wild. I mean, that's wild. I mean, and I don't know? think in four eight, I guess eight more in the next eight. To 16 in the six, top 16. So, that's, you know, you just go through the numbers. It's crazy. I think the, the format's completely different. I, I, I applaud you for looking into other decks, such as Elvish Reclaimer.deck. Yeah, I mean, Elvish Reclaimer is like a brainstorm, but it's actually just a demonic tutor of the yep. turn, right? Like, who needs brainstorm when you literally just demonic tutor? Oh, we we gotta apologize to our listeners. Last week, uh, it's my fault totally. I put a card on the list for us to evaluate, and I and I broke a rule that you should never break. It wasn't spoiled on Mythic Spoiler, but it was done on like a couple of the other spoiler sites, and the uh, card was completely fake. The uh, the mana semi surgical extraction was not a real card, unfortunately. So. Stephen Hendrickson is fake news. It's definitely, definitely a uh, fake news moment. It's fake news. What about um, you know, talking about playing like Hexcaps because you think it's the best deck? Uh, have you tried any uh gacking in modern? Um, so I have this thing where like not too long, maybe I don't remember when I realized this, but when there's a busted deck in a format, you should just play it. You should just play some amount of it. If you don't, you're making a mistake. And I haven't been playing Modern at all because I just don't care, but I should play some Hogak because that deck is busted and everybody says it's busted. So uh, maybe this week or next week, whenever before it gets banned, I'm going to play some Hogak because you should... I Like, every time I uh, bust a deck goes by and I don't play it, I regret it. And that's kind of where I'm at. Like, if there's a busted deck in a format, just play it. If you want to maximize wins, just play it. It's, it, I don't know. It's, it may not be the most fun thing. Oh, it's fun. But it's fun. when that, when that shmoney, when that, when that shmoney hits your account, though, when you sell those tickets, that's oh, fun. it's fun. You should play it. It's definitely no, you, fun. You, you it, it doesn't it doesn't last, but I played it before the bannings. I played the deck, and 
I played it because we, we'll, we'll jam modern in between rounds and stuff like that. And a lot of our modern players that play Legacy, they're they're both they're new to both formats, and they play like they try to play smart. They try to like outthink each other, and I'm just like, just jam, especially if it's modern, just jam. Yeah, when in doubt, put hands right. on them. So just just put hands on them. Put hands. Put feet. Put other appendages. Just just stomp them into the ground. After the banning, before the. Uh, Pro Tour or whatever they call it, Mythic Championship. One of my buddies, um, he had he had the deck down there and he was like playing it and he was just like, "This deck's terrible." And I was like, "Man, you just missed like I told him like you just missed like three ways to get you know, a shot of Gak on turn two. And he's like, well, "I think you have to set up for the long game." I was like, "You don't play Gak to set up for the long game. You're like long game. <laughs> the long game is turn three. You killed him. <laughs> exactly. What are you talking so, about? Long game." Who is this man? Don't don't actually no, name. I, I don't want to be on. that guy, but like we jammed like yeah. I hope they listen to this and feel kind of bad and realize they should be killing people. On we jammed. I jammed a bunch of games with the deck, and I was just like, "This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my entire life." And he's just like, "Well, you're getting lucky." And I was just like, "Well, we'll see." And I kept jamming games in between rounds, and I was just like, yeah, "The deck's just." The deck's just inherently busted. It's not my type of magic at all. I would not like, you know, this is not something I would want to sign up for a tournament for. But I told him, I was like, this is, it's busted. It's cheating on mana. It's also cheating because it's giving vigilance to these dumb giant idiots. And it's, it just does all this stuff all by itself. Like you just have to think of outside of the box. And I think you are robbing yourself if you don't play this deck, especially if you play modern. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, every deck that's busted, like, if it comes and goes and you don't play it at least a few times, you're robbing yourself of the experience. And, like, there's something to learn from these decks that is very important. You'll learn an aspect of magic, but, like, it's not necessarily solely about maximizing win percentage. You're you're definitely going to pick up knowledge that will carry through your whole career as a magic player. And, like, it's it's just a complete punt to not I always, I always so, try to make it akin to they let you know when we played video games like back in the day. Especially, I'm gonna date myself here for a second. Like something called game game, where like you could you know put these codes in. Ooh, into, you're so old. I remember well, game. You made the game cooler than normal, right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, Jesus Christ, I remember game game. I'm 27 in two weeks. Something here, like baby. that. <laughs> yeah, almost exactly two weeks. So I was um I was twelve days. before you were born, unfortunately. But uh <laughs> the I could be your child. Well yes. He was he was getting in a little little early. Just a little early. But uh anyway. <laughs> you know, Game Genie people went and bought Game Genies to play these games so that new you know, and do things they never could do. Well that's what these design mistakes yeah. are. These design mistakes they're cheat codes. cheat codes for the game, and it's an opportunity for you to play something that they did not intend to happen, and you get to have fun and do stuff that they did not expect. And so I, I do think they're mistakes, and they shouldn't exist, but doesn't mean you should rob yourself of the experience, because it also will help you identify new mistakes and new cheat codes that Magic accidentally releases. Get money. Yeah. So, 
you know, get money. That's all I'm saying. Like, why are you robbing yourself? You're taking money out of your pocket. You're just, why do you hate yourself? Just, just play the best. Well, you're also, you're also missing out on, like, I think an experience that you're not going to, you might not get for a while. Yeah, that's the thing. You're never going to get it again. Like, that's that's part of why I feel like you should just play these busted decks. Because that experience isn't going to come around. Like, yes, you can play your blue-white control deck again. Insert any deck in the format. Like, you're going to you're gonna be able to play blue-white control and do blue-white control things, and you're going to just be blue-white all day. But you're not going to hogak forever. Right. Yeah. You know? There, there's definitely... You're going to hogak for another two well, weeks. Also, Birthing Pod. They're just it's these things that just, you know, should never have existed. And you're just like... Mm-hmm. You're not going to get that instant satisfaction of tutoring, you know, being a master manipulation in your forest deck. You know, it's just... I I legitimately wonder if Birthing Pod would be okay now due to the number of games that have been printed for it. Coligan's Command, Force Negation. Like, obviously, the format would have to shift in such a yeah. way that, like, it supports those cards. But I wonder if Birthing Pod is too slow. Like, is Turn 2 Pod better than just playing devoted druid. I think sure. it's just I think it's it's not safe because wizards will continue to print creatures that are busted and it's just a genie in the bottle. Like you just leave it. Oh no, I know. Is 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 devoted druid on turn 2? Like legitimately, devoted druid on turn 2 is scarier than any t- turn 2 birthing pot. But what if devoted druid played birthing pot? Well, sure, I guess. I guess they right. could play it. So that like, makes sense. that's the problem. Like, you devote a druid, and then you, like, turn three, play, like, like some random two-drop, two-drop your vizier, and then right. combo off. But sure. That's the problem, because then you'd have to have the answer for the druid and the birthing pod. Because you couldn't leave the birthing pod on the table, right? <laughs> so. I guess that gives them, like, plus four answers for, or not plus four answers, plus four right. threats in terms of forming birthing pod and then, like, core. And then it also allows them to tutor up responses to other decks that give them a problem if they need it. Like, it's just, no, I I don't think birthing pod, like, I don't mind, it's it's weird. I think that survival is almost uh, able to be playable in Legacy. I think they could unban survival, but birthing pod scares me more in modern than survival in Legacy. And I know a lot of people scream, but I just don't trust wizards enough with birthing pod. I don't like tutors at this point. The tutors are just yeah, I haven't I haven't been watching the Legacy Unchained. I I support them and what they're doing, you know, Legacy Unchained, check out Minmax blog. They've been keeping everything up to date on there, I believe. Yes. I hope. You they, know. No, they, the cool. Minmax blog actually is amazing just for article content and everything else. Like they're Oh just, yeah. They're killing it. As far as like Minigel Hawk and Max um Dorshin. Gilmore, that's his last name. Anyway. They've been crushing it in terms of the content game and putting up a lot of good stuff in general, just primo, like SCG premium stuff. And the the Legacy and Chain stuff has been on there. But uh, I mean, they're, it's geek, I, it's it's geeky as far as like super data analysis, but at the same time, it's accurate with the analysis and like it's also just well-tuned and well-written. I just, I can't explain how good. I think that all their content's amazing. And the, and the Unchained stuff too, just because I get to see cards that should be unbanned. And so, like Earthcraft, Earthcraft's garbage, unban it. I agree. If you're if you're not following Midnight's blog, you are uh, making poor life decisions. 
you need to slide up on them, you know? Give them a little, make a little favorite on your Google Chrome account, you know? Just do what you got to do. Follow our voice. If anybody's still listening. Oh, they're still listening. These guys, they're, they're true patrons of this stream, if you're still invested in this long. Would you would you agree? I mean, they definitely support. They haven't given us money yet, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Um, speaking of patrons, we should we should talk about some Patreon ideas. Um, <laughs> I, in terms of Patreon, we need to actually set this up. Jesus Christ! But uh, you know, we could do some coaching edits here. You know, if someone wants help tuning a deck, you know, that could be a tier, you know? Yeah, listen. Or part of a listeners, tier. Listeners, we are definitely looking for ideas for Patreon tiers and setting up a Patreon. And Lawrence has got some wonderful ideas, too. But we'd also love to hear your views. Like, I think uh, you said coaching where we could what, Skype in or screen share and walk people through some leagues. Yeah, yeah. If people want to have Steve or me join them for a league, you know? Uh, Steve's the old OG. I'm the young OG. I, I'm basically old by magic standards at this point. Also, like um, tuning a deck. Because <laughs> trust me, if you yeah. don't know about a card, you know there's there's some cards that I'll probably throw at you you didn't even know existed. And I know Lawrence would like. Say. Who else is gonna tell you to play Waterfront Bouncer? You don't even know oh, about that. Oh. You know what that card combos with? Lawan Cephalid Empress. Like you know. Exactly. Uh, Real 2011 yeah. shit out here, guys. <laughs> also, 2011 answers for your 2019. Also, we're going to talk about doing some uh, uh, what exclusive episodes to Patreon. Yeah, definitely. Um, Uncut. I could definitely get behind some some Patreon exclusive episodes, some secret episodes. You know, Steve and I have a lot to talk about. And uh, we can definitely talk about more than just what we talk about on this cast. And we, all, so and we might also like do a deck tech. You, like you know, you throw a deck at us, we'll, we'll tech it out. We'll, we'll send send you a recording. Yeah, exactly. Give you some feedback and all that. Um, I may I may start recording leagues, giving you that little insight and uh, posting on the Patreon. So, hey, you know, there's. There's a lot of ideas. We're looking for feedback. We are definitely interested in getting your opinion and seeing what you guys would be interested in uh, for additional content. Well, I think that wraps it up for us. Yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah, that's about it. Just have a good I'll one, guys. Tell you what, it was we'll, a uh, with you again, and, was, and thanks to everybody listening. He's saying it like we don't talk like almost every day. Sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> I'll catch you uh, tomorrow, yeah. Steve. See you. <laughs> See you, man. All right, so we got to stop the recording.